of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be wise? Much wise? No. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Saving stains are lost, still it's life-giving blood. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power. Your king, there's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily? His praises to sing. There's wonderful power in the blood. Oh, there is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the land. There is power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the land. One more time. Oh, there is power. Isn't it great there is power in the blood? Amen? If you don't know or have never been washed by the blood of the Lamb, I pray before you leave here today, you will ask somebody or God will speak to you, how can I be in that group? How can I know the blood of Jesus Christ? Because guys, there is power in the blood of the Lamb that is greater than anything any politician or any political system, any worldly idea could ever come close to. And it is the power of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Give God the glory one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guys, it's good seeing everybody this morning. It's already been a great Sunday school class and time of fellowship. We've had a lot of things going on in the church this past week. Yesterday, um, Pastor Raphael was preaching and Brother Tavar was preaching. And just a lot of this sanctuary has already been prayed over. But again, there's nothing, no greater way to start any service than in prayer. So I would ask you to pray with me now. Father God, I do come before you and thank you for the music that we can share. These guys that are leading us behind us, singing about the one true greatest gift given unto us, and that was your blood. For through the blood of that sacrifice, we can have power. You showed your power over death, hell, and the grave, and you now allow us to have that. In Acts 1-8, you tell us that power comes down upon us. We are washed by the blood. I pray this morning. That you will speak to the hearts of your people. May we praise you. May we sing. May we have a joyous time fellowshipping one with another and with you. But may we leave here today knowing that we know that we know that you are our God. That we have surrendered our hearts to you and to your lordship. May your will be done in the hearts of your people, Lord God. May we truly come to you. And if there's anyone here today that does not know you, Father, speak to them, maybe through a hug, a handshake, a song, something, but speak to them and let them know that you are God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Guys, I want you to walk around a second, give somebody a hug, let them know you, you, you love them and want to see them here. And remember, we may have to condense a little bit to get seats for everybody.
And I've heard them sing, he paid the price, and Jesus bore it all. I've heard them sing, I'm coming home, and hear the master's call. I've heard them sing those modern songs, songs of long ago. What amazing grace, how sweet the sound, the sweetest song I know. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. No sweeter song could ever be found. Heard of a fountain filled with blood. But amazing grace, the sweetest song I know. It was the song my mother sang in sweet and humble voice. It music from the world above, it made my soul rejoice. Like soothing words and melody, like rippling waters flow. But amazing grace, how sweet the sound, the sweetest song I know. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. No sweeter song could ever be found. Heard of a fountain filled with blood. The amazing grace, the sweetest song I know. It amazing grace, how sweet the sound. No sweeter song could ever be found. I've heard of a fountain filled with blood. Amazing grace, the sweetest song I know. Said amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Oh, how sweet is the sound. Sweeter song, sweeter song in this life could be found. Heard of the dear Savior's blood that washed us white, white as snow. But amazing grace, how sweet the sound, the sweetest song I know. Come on and join us. Said amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Oh, how sweet is the sound. Sweetest song, sweetest song in this life could be found. Heard of the dear Savior's blood that washed us white, white as snow. But amazing grace, how sweet the sound, sweetest song I know. I said, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound is the sweetest song I know. I think we have so many different renditions of Amazing Grace, but isn't it great? If that doesn't wake you up and get you moving, then you're going to be snoring in the sermon for sure. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody this morning. We do have some announcements I want to bring forward to you this morning. The first thing I would like you to do as everybody gathers back to your seat. And remember, we may have to squish in just a little bit to make sure we have seats for everybody, guys. Praise God. But as we get back to our seats this morning, I'd like to have you watch this video. Turn it up, baby, where they can hear it. We all lead busy lives, but if we could just stop everything and take a bird's eye view, a little higher, there, now we can see the multitudes. We are fueled by a shared vision to bring the name of Christ to those who have yet to hear. So we move forward to extreme places, corners of the world that have no access to the gospel, 
We train missionaries, send them out together, and pray that God's grace be known. We help the hurting, comfort the dying, give hope to the displaced, and have seen thousands come to faith in Christ. We are able to do so much more together than if we were chasing this vision alone. This is our common effort. Together. The reason why I show that to you this morning, we are kicking off. If you, most of you have probably heard of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. This is where we take up a special offering and that money will go to the missionaries overseas. And as we progress down this way, Sherry Kay will come up and share with you more about Lottie Moon. We're going to be setting our goal in the meeting that's following the services today. But the thing I wanted to make sure we understood is we looked and the last time we did Lottie Moon was the year 2016. 2017, the tragedy happened. Little by little, we are trying to get back to that, that, that thing, the things we used to do that God graced, uh, God blessed and moved us forward. One of those things is supporting our foreign missionaries. Now, we do that through the cooperative program year-round. But Annie Armstrong during the, the Easter time of year and Lottie Moon during the Christmas time. So please be thinking about that as we're getting close to that Christmas season. We're going to be kicking off that Lottie Moon Christmas offering as well. Amen. Also, too, the, our Thanksgiving feast is coming up. I want to promote that to you guys. If you don't have somewhere or you want to come with your family, what we have chosen to do in this church for the last 17 years, 18 maybe, at least 17 is that we, Sherry and I and others, we chose that Thanksgiving is to give thanks unto the Lord for our family. And we have chosen that our family is our church family. And we open the church all day on Thanksgiving. To come in, you can spend the whole day. You can come in and eat and leave. It's a day we play games. For you men who say, oh, that's football day. There's a football game room. And I make sure it's stocked with pie and deviled eggs, whichever one you choose to go with. There's, and there's a... a, a games that are going to be out and we just we just have a good time fellowshipping together on thanksgiving day some folks stay all day some come and go because they got to go to other family commitments but that invitation is extended to every one of you guys come on out thanksgiving day and just help us give thanks unto the lord for what he has done for us amen amen Amen. i'm going to turn over to sherry t for just a moment so after thanksgiving comes christmas and you may have noticed the table out when you walk out, it'll be to the right. It's a little crisp. It's not really Christmassy decorated, but a lot of Christmas information. You'll see a Christmas party invitation or flyer that um, everyone's welcome to come. You don't have to RSVP. It's just, it's just information there. The young adult class that Tim and I run um, is the one that's going to be sponsoring it this year. There's also a clipboard that has, I think, three pages of possible goodies that you can bring. So you sign your name, put your phone number, and then if you're forgetful, there's reminder cards right beside it that you can actually, because it's still, what, two months away, so you can put your name, your name is on here, you can um, put what you're bringing, so you can put that in your purse or on your fridge. Also, you'll see a clothes basket on the floor full of baby bottles. It's for the uh, South Texas Pregnancy Care Center. We had some uh, ladies from the Seguin branch come to our class and speak to us about that. This is a program that tries to save babies and tries to uh, give a lot of resources to the young mommies. So um, we thought, what better way to celebrate Christmas to save babies 
you know, because all this started with a baby, baby Jesus. So anyway, um, we have brochures on the, on the desk. But on the floor, we have baskets. And what you want to do is put some pocket change in there. And at the Christmas party, I would like you to bring those bottles and put them under the tree. And speaking of the tree, um, I, I've, I've not gone to a Christmas party here yet, but I've heard you've done some crazy things with sweaters and all kinds of stuff. We're doing it kind of simple. We're going to ask you to bring a Christmas ornament if you choose to participate. And the Christmas ornament will be one per family or one per couple if you have no children. If you're single, you can bring one. And then you put it on the tree, and as you leave, if you bring one, you can take one of someone else's. And so that's your little gift. So if you have any questions, my phone number, I will not give it from the podium. <laughs> it's on the information at the desk. You can call me. Thank you. Amen. Amen. As Morgan's keying up this next video, let me just kind of extend this out to all the, mainly over here to Gunny, but to all you Marines out there, if you didn't know, today is our 244th birthday today, amen? <laughs> okay, Morgan. <laughs> And on the 10th day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a hero. So God made a veteran. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, to work all day, long into the night, eat supper, if there's time, and do it all over again the next day. So God made a veteran. He needs somebody with arms strong enough to carry freedom on their back and yet gentle enough to hold an enemy's child. So God made a veteran. Someone who's willing to serve their nation without expecting a reward upon their return. Someone who will stand straight and tall in the rage of war. Someone who looks fear in the face and willing to do anything to protect everything they believe in. So God made a veteran. We celebrate and we honor our veterans for their patriotism, love of nation, love of God, and sacrifice you and your families have endured for the benefit of us all. So, God bless our veterans. We should forever honor all the men and women and their families that choose in this country to put on a uniform and go forth and fight for the freedoms we so enjoy. We're living in an age where I'm seeing more and more attacks against those who choose to go and fight for our freedoms, either against them personally or against the very freedoms in which they choose to go and fight for. So we need to continue to remember, guys, that our veterans, male, female alike, choose to put on that uniform for you and me. And so in so doing, I would like to just take a moment. As we celebrate Veterans Day tomorrow, I want to take a moment now to do the same. If you are here and you are a veteran or a spouse or child of a veteran, I would ask you to stand and let us acknowledge you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as that video said, they did not serve for us to give them that round of applause. 
but we give you that round of applause to thank you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And, and me, myself. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Isn't it great we live in a country where we can still freely acknowledge our veterans? Amen? Amen. Or we have the freedom to do the insane things such as ride bicycles across our country. Ian, come on up. He's going to share with us a few minutes. I tell him he had two minutes. Oh, two now? No, it's still five. <laughs> God, he tells me I need to slow down. I mean, you really want me to talk that fast? Father God, I just thank you for my brother and the, the willingness he had to go and share your gospel across the country. May we hear you in him in the next few minutes. And God, thank you for his resilience and his willingness to go forth and do what you called him to do that many of us could not do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank, thank you. Well, folks, thank you so much, Church Body, for giving me the privilege to represent you for a whole month and also do something I enjoy doing. Um, you know, I absolutely couldn't have done it without you, both your prayers, your fervent ones, and your financial support. Thank you. Um, I did have a couple brothers in Christ who were my immediate support crews. I want to bring Paul Goff and um, Oscar Garcia up here with me as we go through these slides real quick. Um, and I only have five minutes, so I will try to be succinct. Um, I believe that my wife, you know, gave you updates as I, um, you know, traveled and on, on the Sundays. But you can also look me up on Facebook. I'm Ian.Goff and also um, Remember and Restore to her. So there's a ton of pictures out there on social media with a lot of God's great scenery. But I'm going to try to touch on some points today um, more about, about the mission side of it. So every journey is a starting point. Um, I did drive 1,700 miles from San Antonio, Texas, up to Niagara Falls, New York, and, and there we are at, or I am at, at, the, at the International Falls there on the border of, of Niagara Falls in Canada. All right. And, you know, Pastor Pomeroy has, you know, just so many times talked about, you know, and it's absolutely scriptural, you know, clearly in Ephesians 4 and a lot of other places that we all have gifts and talents which we are used for God's glory. And thank you, thank you, Jesus, that he wants us to be happy and he gives us stuff that we're not all the same. There's different stuff we enjoy doing. But if we'll take those passions and we'll lay them at the foot of the cross, um, he will often give us the desires of our heart both to please him and to enjoy him in the way in which we were wired. So here's, here's, here's just a couple of physical stats of the trip. I went about 2,100 miles, traversed nine states, um, 28 days. Um, there's a couple lines there you're, you're missing. I did take two rest days. Now, during those rest days, we were fellowshipping in earnest with the people of God. Um, so I rode 26 days, one day in honor of each of those, in remembrance of each of those who fell two years ago. Um, thankfully, I only s- sustained two flat tires, one minor, minor skid knee when I wiped out on a little bit of, of loose gravel making a right-hand turn, and yes, one chronically sore posterior, but hey, you do what you got to do. Um, <laughs> Uh, on, on the mission side of things, though, um, we, you know, and thanks in no small part to my fellow missionary, Paul Goff, um, who really did a lot of groundwork. We were able to visit dozens of churches along the way, um, as well as just interactions with so many other people. I know one thing I found, sometimes when you're out there doing something crazy, you know, you don't mind being a little crazy and talking about Jesus, too, with people, you know, you, you might not otherwise, or just, you know, have a conversation, you know, make that connection, and hey, is there something I can, I can pray with you about? You know, and every heart has its own sorrow, every heart has its own rejoicing, and, you know, Bill those connections, you know, thankfully we are able to come together and support each other and just a word of, of, of prayer, uh, you know, a, a word of conversation to get to know each other a little bit better. Um, 
as far as from a traveling standpoint, traveling the Natchez Trace Parkway, which is a 444-mile linear national park, but um, goes back in population at least to the time of Christ, you know, from our First Nation people all the way through our first um, adventurers. Um, and it goes from the southern terminus is, is in Natchez, Mississippi, and goes all the way up to just south west of, of, of Nashville. Um, but along the way there, stopped at the Meriwether Lewis uh, Memorial. And this is where a young man at 35 years old who was, um, you know, one of the two of the, you know, Lewis and Clark expedition died in uncertain circumstances. And I was just really kind of moved. It's like, oh my, you know, even the strongest, noblest, bravest um, among us, there's a share of those who, who die untimely deaths. And, you know, he, he, he passed away at the age of 35 under still slightly unknown circumstances. Um, but God gives us all a life to live, and we don't know how long that dash lies. And, you know, Psalms, um, you know, the, the, the Psalmist David very, you know, succinctly told us, he says, Lord, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Um, you know, I didn't lose any weight while burning five to 7,000 calories a, a day. <laughs> Um, but th- that, that's a lo- large, oh, sorry, no large part to the fact that I, I, I had a brother here who, who made sure that I ate well. And we actually brought our, our, our own sus- sustenance. Um, very, very rarely ate out in the economy. Um, you know, we're able to cook and eat fairly well um, along the way. Pastas, rice, quinoa, you know, et cetera, fruits. Um, hey, there's, there's Oscar there. <laughs> That was, that was um, halfway in between Uvalde and Del Rio on the last couple of days. I had the privilege of having Oscar and his dear wife, Alice, come and join me there in, in, um, in Uvalde and, and Del Rio, and that was such a privilege. But, you know, it was almost like getting the opportunity to tailgate every day. But I was reminded of, 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 of Jesus' um, you know, verse in, in uh, John chapter 4 where, you know, he was hungry, had a spiritual experience with, with the woman of the well. Disciples finally showed up with some food, and, he was, and, and he's just overjoyed, right? He's like, hey, man, did anyone bring him something to eat because he's looking a lot better than, than he did when we, when we left him. But I had the privilege of fellowshipping with God's people, seeing God move, and also my local, local apostles in Christ who, who fellowshiped and kept me fed along the way. Um, so, you know, in addition to the churches and whatnot, it's just, it's just amazing who you meet along the way. This was right at the start of the Natchez Trace Parkway where a, a fellow cyclist literally caught me. You know, so he was riding a little faster than me, but he came on, he came flying, flying on up, ended up riding with me. We, we had a great conversation about what's, you know, about, about the testimony from, from here that, you know, why I was out there riding and, you know, I think it encouraged us both. But then, you know, he, he, he said that he would um, go and share it with, with his church as well. So it was just one of those quote unquote, coincidental meetings. But, you know, in Acts um, 8, 26, you know, an angel actually showed up and told Philip, hey, I want you to go down to the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. Gave him a specific place to be. Philip obeyed and went. And then when he got there, a chariot comes coming by. And in verse 29, it says that the Spirit of the Lord then told Philip, hey, I want you to go up and just talk to this chariot. Hey, stop chariot. Let's have a conversation. So God puts people in our ways. If we'll be, if we'll be open to the Spirit, God will put us in the right place at the right time to have conversations and meetings that, you know, there's no way we could, in the, you know, in the physical, in our own wisdom, plan for. Um, I, met, I met some interesting guys along the way. Here's a, I, was, I was in East Texas um, in Trinity County, 
and all of a sudden ran into some of the banditos. But we had a great conversation. They were like, oh, another biker, and a, a few other choice comments, but they were, they, were, they were pleasant. I talked about pastor's visit to Sturgis. I talked about the Black Sheep Motorcycle Club, and you know, the, the, the big burly president was like, well, it's all the same wind, man. Maybe, maybe not, you know, but, but I, was, I was able to be, to, to, to you know, just, 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 just share a story of <laughs> another unexpected meeting. It was fun. Go ahead. Um, so, you know, sometimes you do get to make a splash. Sometimes your mission is heralded in lights. That, that particular picture had the opportunity to actually present at a historic theater in Manny, Texas, where the, um, the great General Patton was, was there when, when his army, before going out to World War II, um, you know, we, we're, we're doing some war games. But actually, I want to say, the people of Louisiana, for as crappy as the roads were, oh my God, they are some of the most hospitable people out there. But it was, it was wonderful. And, and, and a local pastor who had some connections worked it out. You know, God, God, God of course, was orchestrating it, but got to present... Um, um, yeah, at a theater, so that was fun. Um, I was finishing up the Natchez Trace Parkway when all of a sudden a reporter for the National Park Service says, so I guess I'd been assigned to come and do a story on the different folks using the, um, the, the Natchez Trace for different purposes. All of a sudden I came rolling and it was like, hi, did you get here? I was like, yeah, I just finished the ride. He's like, oh, that's cool. You, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I do an interview with you? I was like, okay, sure. So, you know, I think that we should always, you know, Scripture says we should always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks us for the reason of the hope that is in us and to do it with gentleness and respect because you never know what opportunities, um, you know, come our way. But um, I want to just make it very clear that more often than not, our, our personal testimony and the really important relationships we make absolutely come with those personal connections of those individual people that we meet along the way. This was a dear brother in Christ who I met in Tupelo, Mississippi. His name is Michael Jordan. And he likes to tell people, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm the real Michael Jordan. I can only imagine how it is. Oh, yeah, Michael Jordan's here. Oh, yeah, which one? But no, great, great brother. And asked him, hey, man, where are you from? He was like, I'm from, the, I'm from the free state of Jones. I'm like, okay, I, I think they made a movie about that recently. It was like, yeah, it was like my great-grandfather was actually from an area in Mississippi that I'm not going to get into history. You can do the research on your own, but from the, from, from the free state of Jones. But just another opportunity to, to, to fellowship with another brother in Christ and to, and to learn from, from each other and each other's different cultures and, you know, ancestral paths along the way. Um, you know, as, I, as I think, you know, for any of you who have been coming here a little bit know, um, as far as the ministry part of it, you know, sometimes you can, hey, I'm going to do this and this and this, and you've got these big plans, and things don't just don't work out quite, quite as, as, as planned. Um, but, you know, the Lord helped me in that first week, you know, to go ahead and get that 575 miles in, to, you know, keep on knocking on doors, making phone calls. But then all of a sudden, it just seemed like the, just the floodgates that happened as far as fellowship opened up. And there's a town in Kentucky, allegedly called Pleasureville, Kentucky. And a little, little, little town, but um, met the, it had a, just a wonderful time of fellowship. That this, this was kind of the keynote that all of a sudden, it was just like the doors just swung open for ministry and for fellowship within the churches. But this dear brother, he was a collegiate athlete, um, had a, all of a sudden an unexpected neurological condition that left him a, a paraplegic, um, you know, really changed, changed his life a little bit, but then he became a pastor, and he just, he just shines with the love of Jesus and, you know, and the joy of the Lord. Um, he went on to get married after the, the, the thingy. He's got kids and everything, and just one, it was just one of those moments of like, wow, you know, someone who, who has gone through a challenge, you know, we can, we can relate. We can, we can, you know, encourage each other in the faith, and it was just kind of the precursor to a lot of different interactions that happened from there. 
Um, one of the most amazing church experiences I went to, uh, had um, you know, to go to was a church called Soma. And this was in Tupelo, Mississippi. Now, on Saturday night, my brother found, uh, well, we needed to wash laundry. So, so we went down to the laundromat and, um, you know, was washing our clothes, just talking to people and met a gentleman and said, hey, you know, why don't, why don't you come to our church tomorrow? I was like, okay, yeah, we can, we can do that. And we had plans with uh, um, Tupelo First Baptist Church. So we went there first, met, met and had a wonderful time with them, then went to the second service over at this church called Soma. But was, what's so unique about this is that this is a church that literally does worship and teaching in both English and Spanish. And it's not like just, oh, one person's the lead pastor and someone's translating for them. It is truly two unique bodies that had rented, essentially, were sharing cost of, 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 a, you know, of, a, of a storefront, had a storefront church or two churches, and realized, hey, why don't, why, don't, why don't we actually do this as one church? And I've never seen you know, something like this done in such a spirit of unity. It was just, it truly was an incredible um, sample. Um, Paul, can you speak a little bit? To, to just that experience? Um, <laughs> I, I don't really know what to say about this experience, but um, it was very unique to be able to see that different languages can be used to share God's word. And actually, I had a scripture in Acts 2 that talks about this. When after the day of Pentecost, God called the twelve to go out and preach the gospel in front of millions. And this is in Acts chapter 2, when Peter, in his boldness, and the eleven raised their voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews of all of you who have lived in Jerusalem, let me explain to you and listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose it only through the morning, nine in the morning. No, it is what we have spoken to the prophet Joel, and the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, and every servant, both men and women, will pour out the spirit of those days, and they will prophesy. So in this time when I was able to go with Ian, you know, being able to see that I'm not a biker. I don't know anything about Harleys. I don't know anything about bicycles. You know, it's all Greek to me. You know, but in this time when I was going out and meeting people, it reminded me of this incident to where God is able to let the Spirit run through us and be able to preach the gospel and be able to connect with one another through the Spirit. I mean, I had a similar experience when I was in Korea and, and being a missionary there. And this is one of the things that I noticed that God was able to work through anything, any circumstance, any situation. When I was out setting up camp, people would be like, oh, are you selling something? And like, no, I'm not selling anything. I'm making food for my brother. And, you know, just those conversations. I jumped on an Alabama bus full of um, um, what is, what was it? Methodists. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against the Methodists, no, but I jumped on their bus, and they almost, they, they were on a mission um, right before the Natchez Trace, and I jumped on their bus, and I'm like, would you all like to pray with me? You know, this is what we're doing. And right away, filled with the Holy Spirit, one gentleman said, I'll do it, you know. And it was, and that was, that was just, you know, a blessing in disguise, you know, seeing the Spirit work, and, you know, people of random faiths, you know, just praying with us, and... It's all through the Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, I, I certainly could not have done this trip at all without the support. Um, 
This, this was a unique experience. Um, almost, almost done with the trip, and we were in Castroville Fellowship and with the First Baptist Church there with the youth pastor and the missions pastor. Um, but that was a beautiful stained glass window, you know, and Jesus says, he said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. That just reminds us that we should always be seeking opportunities to serve one another in love. So after, after, after 28 days, I did in fact make it to Del Rio, and my finished stopping point was at the Whitehead Museum um, there, which, which is pretty much a museum to the, to the history of the wild, wild west, west of the Pisco's River, just, um, just a mile or so from the Mexico border, and I had the privilege of, of Oscar and his wife and my mom, who was my final support person, um, and, you know, I really wanted to make sure, you know, admit, I'd, I'd met so many different pastors along the way, you know, as well as other people of faith. Um, but I was having a really hard time getting contact in Del, in Del Rio. And God um, used Miss Sandra Witten to call one of the people that she might have known, even if not, not real well, but a wonderful pastor by the name of um, Ruben Herrera came out and visited us. And can you just speak super briefly to you know, kind of how that went when you called him up and what his initial reaction was. Um, yes, I reached out to him. I reached out to him and um, I just briefly explained as to what was going on, who was rolling into town. And uh, he was ecstatic. He was like, why did y'all pick Del Rio, Texas to finish this? I said, I have no idea, but that's just the way God probably planned it out to be. I said, but we're having problems contacting somebody that is willing to at least share their faith, their stories, testimonies. And he was ecstatic. He was like, when are y'all coming in? I said, well, it'll be Saturday morning. He was like, I'll be waiting for your call. Sure enough, I called him Saturday morning, and he was like, I'll meet you wherever you want me to meet you at. And it wound up being at this museum. And uh, it was, uh, he was excited. He was, uh, late. after that, we were able to go back and we were able to share testimonies and faith and how, you know, God is working in, in communities. But at the end, we were able to pray for not just uh, different faiths, but for the body of Christ in general Amen. as the growth of it, how it's continuing to grow. And uh, God is good and God is great. I, I'm thankful for this opportunity. I'm thankful for Ian and, uh, and God bless each and every one of you. All right, so I just wanted to end with, with, with one cool picture. I saw, I saw this sign while I was on a back Texas country road. This is Agape Road, and it was, I, I had to get a picture with that. And I think that this should all be a road that, that, that we're striving to travel on because in John 13, 35, Jesus says, by this, the love that we have for one another, people will know that you are my disciples yeah, if you have love for one another. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. Thank you for helping make it possible. And um, God certainly is good. excited about that. <laughs> uh, we're going to continue singing with each other this morning, uh, just lifting up God's name in song. So uh, if you guys would like to rise or just take a comfortable position of worship, uh, words will be up on the screen for you if you want to sing along.
you have your Bibles this morning, praise God. We've been singing praises. Ian, thank you for that testimony. I don't, I, you know, I would love to ride from Niagara to Del Rio. Just my bike has a motor on it. Amen. And even then, it's not a little one. It's 103. Not as big as yours, Rod, but still a big one. <laughs> if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 16. But also, too, as I said in Sunday school this morning, we're going to be in the book of Revelation for just a moment as well. But as I share with you briefly today what God has laid on my heart, God, several things has transpired this past week that has come to be the catalyst for what I feel as though the Lord, the message that God laid on my heart this morning. Some of it came from the Southern Baptist Texas Convention that Sherry and I had attended. Some of it was our memorial service for the two-year anniversary. Some of it was the the, the funeral service we had here Friday with all the, the many people that were here and then the sermons yesterday, everything just kind of came together. And you add to that that tomorrow we are celebrating Veterans Day. And yes, I know the difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. One is for those who are gone and the other is for those who are fighting. However, I believe those who are fighting always have the propensity to enter into the other and therefore I combine the two in my mind per se. But all that being said, There have been wars for a long time in this country's history. But just in modern history, when I think about all those that have chosen to put on a uniform to go forth and fight for my freedom, those of us who chose to hold up our right hand and to sign that paper and say that I choose, I'm not being drafted, I choose to go and give back my time and who I am in honor, of the mem- in honor of the freedoms that I have. When I think about all the men and women who have done that, that whether it be World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, uh, you, you can go on Kuwait, Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, wherever battlefield 
these men and women have been on, whatever battlefield that they are deployed to, they still made the choice to hold up their hand and volunteer to put on that uniform. This past week, I caught a program, or at least most of a program. It was talking about Pearl Harbor. And the attacks on Pearl Harbor, as devastating as they was December 7, 1941, actually was a little less than two hours. But in that two hours' time, 2,500, 2,500 people were killed. At least 1,000 more were seriously wounded, uh, damaged or, or destroyed 18 American ships, 300 airplanes. Incredible devastation there. Almost half of the casualties was on the USS Arizona. Many of you have gotten, I have never been to Hawaii, but have visited that memorial still there, and there's oil that leaks out. And one of the things that, that really stood out to me from this program, there was 23 sets of brothers that was on that ship. 23 sets of brothers. And a father-son duo was serving on that ship. A father-son duo. These brothers that were serving. All these people were on that ship. And that got my attention. And I started thinking about the statistics that I'd heard at Southern Baptist Convention. And I thought about some of the, the sermons that was brought forth yesterday and, and, and Brother Raphael's sermon that really was resonating in my mind. And I thought whether it was on the Arizona, whether it was on the frozen mountains of Korea, whether it was in the jungles of Vietnam, whether it was in the dry deserts of the Middle East, wherever it was... These men and women put on a uniform and many of which died for something beyond themselves. They chose to put on that uniform and die for that American dream. That dream, we we have convoluted and twisted that dream to mean, mean so many things today. But the American dream is actually a very simple concept and it is the freedom from tyranny. That's what these men and women put on the uniform so that we have the freedom to live the lives that God has called us to live. Amen? That's what we honor. We, we live in a day and an age where the populace is forgetting that we have been called. God has endowed us with these inalienable rights to go forth and live freely, to live without tyranny, to be what God has called us to be. Our founding fathers, when they wrote that document, when Thomas Jefferson put the pen down there, he said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, all men are created equal that they were endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and we know what those inalienable rights are. He said that they were endowed with the right for liberty, happiness, excuse me, the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We have been endowed with these inalienable rights by God, and the men who, women who put on that uniform acknowledges and recognizes that this country was based upon that Christian ideal, that Christian idea to go forth and share the gospel, to share and be free in the sharing thereof of the gospel message. And they chose to put on uniforms so that we could continue to exercise those freedoms. We have been given that freedom. You see, guys, there's a warning in Revelation. In the book of Revelation 21, in verse 8, it says, excuse me. Yes, I'm getting old. But the cowards, unbelievers, vile murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all the liars, they share, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, sulfur, which is the second death. Now, what am I pointing out here, guys? If we acknowledge and understand that there is something that is bad out there, if we acknowledge and understand that one day 
there is going to be a price to be paid for those who do not know him, then I think that we should be going forth exercising the freedoms that men and women have fought and died for to make sure that these people have the opportunity not to stay where we just read about in the book of Revelation. We have been given the gift, the freedom to share the gospel in this country. We have been given the gift and it's been fought for and blood has been shed to share the gospel, but yet we don't. Yet so many people choose to live their life. I've got my insurance policy. I've got my salvation bought. Everybody else is on their own. If we truly acknowledge, look in Luke 16. In Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19, there was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was left at his gate. He longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table. But instead, the dogs would come and lick his sores. One day the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he called out. Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things just as Lazarus received bad things? Now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between you, us and you so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot. Neither can those from there cross over to here. Now listen to the rest of this. Father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to, war- brothers to warn them so they won't also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he told them if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone even was to rise from the dead. Here's what I'm trying to say this morning, guys. We enjoy the freedoms in this country that was bought by the folks at Pearl Harbor that I was watching that show over. And all the many men and women who have fought and are still fighting, who have given their lives in, on foreign shores and are still cra- putting on a uniform and going to these foreign shores. And whether it's from the, the, the tombs of the battleships or the foxholes of Vietnam or wherever they may be, the thing that resonates in my mind is those that have gone on before us are still crying out, whether they're in heaven or whether they're in, in hell where, where the other the rich young ruler was they are crying out go tell my family where i am you who are still alive and walking you who have the words if they could come back from from those battlefields and speak to us today they would share go tell my family just as this man here did I have died, I have given my life so that you have the freedom to preach the gospel and do so courageously. Guys, we still live in a country, regardless of what some politician may tell you, the sky is falling. Right now, at least, we still live in a country that if we will have the courage to step up, stand out, and move out and speak out, the gospel can still go forth. But we have to have the courage to do it. We have been embedded with power, Acts 1-8 tells us. We have been given the power to be witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and everywhere after that. If we know that the consequences 
is where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. If we know the consequences of those who are saying, send someone just to put a drop of water on my tongue. And we have been given the freedoms by men and women who chose to die to give us that freedom. And we sit on our backsides and do nothing with it. Then we are the cowards that it speaks about at the end. God has empowered us. And he didn't even just empower us. He gives us the end of the book. He tells us we win. You know, one pastor at the Southern Baptist Convention, he got up and he was speaking. He said, no one is allowed to join his church unless they know the gospel message. And he says, if they don't know it, he sits them down and he teaches them that gospel message. Why? One, so they're sure of their salvation. They know what the gospel message is. And two, so they'll go out and share it. Guys, the gospel message is really simple. So many people tell me, well, I'm not a theologian. All you need to know is that Jesus had no sin, came. Those of us who have sin can't get in, but since he came, he died, and he died for me. And if I believe that he is the Son of God, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and he rose again on the third day, then so shall I be saved. It's that simple, guys. Jesus lived. He died a sinless man, shed sacrificial blood, defeated death, hell, and the grave, and rose three days later and said, Whomsoever believes I am the Son of God, and I rose again, so shall they be saved. The gospel is simple. This is an excuse if you're telling me you can't do it because you don't know the gospel. It would take you less than five Many of us know the Dallas Cowboys schedule. We know the rankings of every player. We know the ballistics of every firearm there is. Why not four simple things of the gospel message? We're quick to talk about our baseball team or our football team. We're quick to talk about our hunting exploits. Why not share the gifts and say that I have got these hunting exploits. I get to play baseball or watch baseball, play football or watch football, whatever it may be, because of the rights that were fought for by men and women in uniform and the freedom of the Holy Spirit gives me to be, to be able to sit back and enjoy it peacefully because my God has already cleansed me and washed me and made me whole and he'll do the same for you. There was a couple who went to church. Their children were grown and and they were kind of looking and they were living their life and they're thinking something's missing. And the pastor one day preached a message on evangelism. And they started praying about that. What is evangelism? Is that something that God's calling me to do? Is that something I'm supposed to do? And then they're going home from church one day and they pass this trailer park that's real close to their house. There's a whole lot of police cars in there. Well, they do a little bit of investigating and they find out that this church was, I mean, excuse me, this trailer park was notorious for having drug paraphernalia and drug trafficking and prostitution in it. Well, they prayed for a little bit longer and they ended up selling their house, selling all their things, bought a trailer in the trailer park and started an outreach ministry into the trailer park so that the people knew rather than go to drugs, come here and hear the word of God and we'll feed you and water you. We'll feed you and water you. They're not animals, but, but we'll give you food and water and drink. And listen to the gospel and I will share the food that is better and greater than anything this world ever known. And they started making a change because they chose to start sharing the gospel message. Start sharing and exercising the right they have to share the gospel. What caused them to change? Two things. Mainly in Ephesians chapter 6, you can go back and read it later. I don't have time right now. Excuse me. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, it says that there is no hope. Listen to me. Men are without hope if they don't know Jesus Christ. 
That's the first thing. Men are without hope if they don't know Jesus Christ. I am still asked all the time. In fact, on a radio program just this past week, how is it that Sutherland Springs was able to rebound so much better than many of these other shooting incidents? And I said, because our hope wasn't in ourselves or in man, but our hope was in Jesus Christ. And he still lifts us up. Hallelujah. And that's not particular just to us, guys. Anyone who knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has the hope that the end and be-all is not on this side of glory. My hope and be-all is on the other side. Therefore, whatever happens on this side is temporary. My permanent is set in stone through Jesus Christ. Our hope is not in what I can do. My hope is in what Christ can do through me, which therefore, the Bible says, is more than a conqueror. Ye who, he who can conquer is one thing. I am more than the conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. The hope, men have no hope without Christ. Their hope has to be in Christ. And then they believe that we have been called to go forth and evangelize. In Matthew chapter 28 verse 18, the, the, or the commissioning, I'll just call it that. It says, go ye therefore and make disciples and baptize. We have been given the power of God. We have been given the command of God. He tells us that man has no hope without Jesus Christ. We see in Revelation and other places what happens to those who do not know Christ. We know that men and women have fought and died to give me the freedom to go forth, the rights to go forth and share the gospel. If I know all these things that I have been commanded to go and I choose not, even though I know it's going to have others go to a devil's hell, even though I know those who have fought and died for my freedoms are begging me to go and tell their families, if I still choose to never live or speak out the gospel, not only am I a coward, I am a coward that's going to stand before the Lord one day. And give an account and say, Lord, I could have, but I chose not. Evangelism is easy. You know, the, the true definition of evangelism is a lifestyle. It's a movement. It means to live out who we are. To evangelize for Christ means to live our lives so that when others see us, they say, man, there's something different about you. And I can say, yeah, other than just being short, fat, and ugly, I got Jesus on my side too. And you know what part they're going to want? The Jesus part. Guys, we're to share Christ. We're to live out Christ. Evangelism is simply a big word that says share Jesus. Get out there and just tell others that Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He died for my sins. And on the third day, he rose again for whomsoever believes in him. That's the gospel. Now, intersperse that with your personal testimony that when I accepted Christ, uh, he pulled me away from my alcoholism. He pulled me from my drug addiction. He pulled me from my depression. Or it may be I was de- I'm depressed and I'm having a hard time, but I was putting my hope in myself and my therapist. But now my hope is in Christ who is empowering my therapist and empowering these issues around me. My hope has changed. The sun is shining again. The birds are singing. I see joy in life again. Why? Because he who is light pushed out the darkness and now I can walk freely when we intersperse the gospel with our own personal testimony God is allowing us to be a part of his ministry sure God could just zap people and they just know the gospel but he allows us you and I to be a part of that ministry you know what it says in first Corinthians um, chapter 10 it says we were saved to glory, give God glory. You know how we give God glory? By making disciples. How do we make disciples? By sharing the gospel. 
When we go forth and proclaim the gospel message, we're giving God glory and we're finding our purpose. If our purpose is to give God glory and all I have to do is go out and share what God's done for me and what he's done for all, I am not just a part of his ministry. I'm hearing, well done now, good and faithful servants. Folks, people need to see in those who call themselves Christians, not like we're sucking on a lemon all day long. They need to see a smile. They need to see joy. They need to see, now, don't get me wrong, there are sad times that seeing a 20-year-old young man in a casket here at the front of the church Friday, that could be a very heartbreaking thing to do. But yet, at the same time, this church was full, people standing all around, the foyer was full, there was people next door, we had like 500 and something people here for that funeral service, but yet, even though there was tears and eyes, this message that went out, three different pastors, so you can tell what kind of message that was, but all three came together talking about the joyous knowing that he was with his Lord in the short 20 years he was here, he made sure everybody knew who his Lord was. That's the joy that comes with knowing Christ. That man at 20 years old had already lived a life that when he stood before the Lord, I can only imagine that I heard, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Folks, we have been called. In the book of Matthew, he says, he commands us to go. In the book of Mark chapter 16, he commands us to preach. In Luke chapter 24, he commands us to preach the message. In Acts chapter 1a, he says, I am commanding you to go and be witnesses. And guys, he says, you're not going to do it alone. I'll be with you till the ends of the earth. He has given us the power to share the gospel. If I have been empowered to share the gospel, men and women have put on a uniform and have fought and died and are still fighting for me to continue that freedom. I don't care if there are people maybe trying to take that freedom away. As long as that freedom is still here, then I am obligated, I am commanded, I am directed to square my shoulders to whatever the world may say and say, thus saith the Lord. And not because I'm a preacher, but because I've accepted him as my Savior. You who are here that know him as your Lord and Savior have been called and commanded and directed to do the same thing. Bottom line is this this morning, folks. It's very simple. On the day of judgment, we're all going to come together at that great white throne. We're all going to gather together one day And I feel as though we're going to face those great men and women who died for our rights to preach Jesus to their families. And I don't want to be the one to have to say I was too much of a coward to speak up. I was too ashamed to share the gospel to your loved ones. I didn't have enough faith to say anything to them. No, folks, I believe that we need to get back to being a people that realizes that that power, that Acts 1-8, my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the scripture, I learned you can't say it's the favorite because then God brings another one around. But one of my most favorite scriptures, that power that indwells us gives us the ability to share the gospel courageously. You may not be that physical warrior 
You may not be the one that's been called to put on the uniform and go and fight for the rights here in America. You may not have the, the mental disposition to be able to go and carry on a, some type of debate or theological debate. You may not be the one that feels as though you can go out and stand for the, 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 this person or that person. But you have been given the power to be able to live out and profess the gospel message against incredible odds. The power that indwells you, the Bible says, is greater than the power of he who indwells this earth. And for that reason, we can courageously stand upon the rock and say, my God saves. Just as those who fought for our freedoms courageously has given their life for you and I to have these freedoms, we need to be just as courageous to make sure that we are sharing the gospel. We need to become the federation of the unashamed, if you will. We should not be ashamed to preach the gospel. We should be empowered, directed, and focused to take the message that God has blessed you and I with, to be able to be a part of his ministry and share it with those who are still here because the blood of those who fought for that freedom cries out, if for no other reason, the blood of the one who hung upon the cross cries out, go and tell my sheep. Go and tell my people. Go and invite them to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Folks, we are the bride of Christ. And whomsoever accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior has been brought into that family. You may think that you don't have it in you to do such. You may not be, God may not be telling you to use words. Maybe he's telling you to use your actions to get to the words. But understand that when you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a brother or a sister in joint heir to the throne of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. I can take courage in the fact, not in who I am, I'm just but one man. But I can be courageous in my actions because of who he is. Lord of lords, king of kings, one day to return, to draw all men onto himself. And I would hope that we all would want to hear, well done, now good and faithful servant. And when we stand before those who have donned that uniform and fought and died for me to have the right to share the gospel, I want to be able to hold my head high. I want to be able to look them in the eye. And I want to be able to say, brother, sister, I did to the best of my ability what God has called me to do. And at that point, I'll look to my Lord. And there his arms will be open. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, you can't do that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can't truly share the gospel. You can give the highlights of it, but you want that power-driven, spirit-filled message to touch the hearts of people, then the utterance has to come from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit moves in when he makes you a witness. How does he make you a witness? He said, when you believe I am the Son of God, and I rose on the third day, so shall you be saved. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me go through that gospel message one more time. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
But yet there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. But there was he who came that did not sin and shed his blood on the tree. And he said, whomsoever believes in that blood, that I am the son of God. And I rose again on the third day. So shall they be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish. This side of glory is temporary. It will perish. But the other side is so that we can live forever in his glory. If you're here this morning and you're that person that still needs to know Christ, you can change that today. And the great thing is we serve a God that says yesterday's yesterday. Your consequences to your actions may still be there. We need to be a people responsible to accept the consequences to our actions. There are people out there who try to blame their, their, their actions and their consequences on everyone else. No, we're going to be responsible for the consequences of our actions. But we can stand with our head held high and know my God has forgiven me. Therefore, I can proceed forward. Where are you this morning? I pray today that if you're here and you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you'll change that before you leave. Get with somebody. Come to this altar. I'll pray with you. If you're here this morning and you say, Brother, I'm that person that just is too timid and too scared to share the gospel, that's great. Turn it over to Christ because he who lives within you is knocking at the gate and trying to chew his way out to share. If you'll get out of the way and let him speak, you'll be amazed what you can say. But you have to let it go. Let him go. Let it speak through you. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Let's all stand this morning. Tomorrow we are celebrating Veterans Day. I pray that you'll let a veteran know how thankful you are for what they have done, allowed to be done through their sacrifice. Those who are wearing uniforms today that are walking around, understand they're still sacrifice. They've left their, their husbands and wives. They've left their moms and their dads. They've left their children, oftentimes months at a time. We are about to celebrate a great Thanksgiving feast in just a couple of weeks. There are people still sitting in fo- dirt, sandy foxholes having to eat MREs. Guys, we need to understand that our God is powerful. He's commanded us to go. And we live in a country where men and women still put on a uniform to make us capable to go. Let's remember them. And let's remember our Lord. And let's lift them all up in prayer. Father God, I do come before you again, thanking you for this time that we can go and evangelize. Lord, I pray for the men and women who are in uniform, stationed all around this globe that are homesick. Men and women in uniform that are stationed all around this globe who are having to trudge around in sand or out on a ship in the middle of nowhere in a submarine however many feet under the surface. Men and women who are stationed in the cold and the freezing and men and women who are stationed in the 130, 140 degree heat. Men and women who long to see their children, to love on their wives and their husbands, Men and women who have given up so, so much so that I can have the freedom to live my life and do so with the inalienable rights that you've given me. Father, I pray for them. 
May they feel your presence wherever they may be right now. Father, you can be in this church building right now or at the deepest depth on the, on the biggest boomer sub right now. God, may you speak your words to them. Be with that husband or wife that is at home struggling to raise the children, trying to keep kids out of, out of trouble and keep them in school and trying to focus on what it is you would have them to do. Many of which are thinking they didn't sign on for what's going on as they are left alone. Let them know they're not alone. That you're there with them as well. God, be with us who have put on that uniform before and understand the trials and the tragedies they are going through right now to the best of our ability. Give us the wisdom to go and speak to these men and women who come back emotionally scarred, physically scarred, and let them know that our hope is not in this physical body, but our hope is in you. And that you can heal those emotional scars. That you can come in and touch them and move them in mighty ways. That you can give them grace that is sufficient to cover all things that man has done unto them. Lord, be with those of us that are here that we are fighting our battles. Maybe not in military, but the battles that just life throws at us. May we recognize we're not alone as long as we know you. That you said you would never leave us nor forsake us. That every day, if we will get up and put on that full armor, and as we place that helmet of salvation upon our head, may we not forget that our feet are prepared with your gospel and take it wherever you lead us to go. Father, may thy will be done in the hearts of your people. And if there's someone here today or someone maybe by live stream or maybe on a podcast, whatever, all the technological things are, Lord God, that's not my deal, that's yours, Lord. If they can hear your voice today, may they know and recognize they don't have to come here. They can get on their knees right where they're at right now. May we truly put our hearts and our bodies and our minds in you. Even when you call us out to do the spectacular as Ian riding across this country and the lives of others as you've called them to do things that are beyond our own imagination. May we truly put our faith in what it is you've called us to do and just step out courageously and do it. Father, may your will be done and we give you all praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. As, as they lead us in song this morning, if God's telling you sing, sing. If he's telling you come to this altar, come to this altar. If he's telling you cross the aisle and give somebody a hug, maybe you know a veteran in here that you think just needs a hug. Let's honor God this morning. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth. And I will daily lift my hands, for I will always sing when your love came down. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever, Lord. I 
could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me, and I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands, for I will always sing of when your love came down. I could sing of your love sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. You know I feel like It's foolishness, I know. But when the world has seen the light, they will dance with joy like we're dancing now. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love. Sing of your love forever. I could sing of your
Amen. If you can grab your seats for just one more minute and we'll get out of here in just a few and we'll enjoy this beautiful day. I pray that you're already enjoying it. Here's the thing. Leave out of here today and, and express your concerns unto the Lord and say, God, I don't want anyone to go to that place in, in the book of Revelation. I don't want anyone to have to burn in a devil's hell. Show me that one person you want me to speak to this week. And if you're that person that's timid and shy, uh, you know, some of us like David can talk to a telephone pole. But if that's not you, start praying now. God, give me the opportunity to speak to that one person in my mind. I just want to share what God, what you've done to my heart with them. Amen? Amen. Commit to do that today. Before we leave, though, I'm going to ask uh, Ms. Casas to come up. We have prayed about several things this morning. And she is coming this morning as well. To say she knows Jesus Christ is her Lord and Savior. She's been coming. In fact, the other day I went back there and I don't know what she did wrong, but she was in the kitchen <laughs> back there at that sink. All the ladies are out having a good time. She's at the sink just scrubbing. <laughs> but she, oh, she's the newbie. Oh, well, don't say that. Nobody else will come in the kitchen ever again. <laughs> now you know. Now you know. She is coming this morning. She knows Jesus Christ is her Lord and Savior. And she said God's laid it on her heart. She wants to come and join and be a part of this body of believers and be a part of us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve a mighty, mighty God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Barry, will you come up and stand with my sister here? And Guys, come give her a hug or grab her on the way out. But just let her know she's not alone anymore. And, and we're going to continue to lift her up in prayer as well. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Uh, Let's all stand. And Barry, will you close us in prayer this morning, brother?